Hello, welcome to Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-hosts are John and Bethany. How are you guys today? I'm good. Good. Fine. Yes, good as always. I, I always say the same answer on each podcast. Yeah. So. I'm good. So basically the gist of the show is that we talk about films that I love based on whatever the topic of the episode is. And in the first half of the show, I talk to my guest about whatever the topic is. So it's Star Wars month on Cinemaniac Jack. So today we're talking about Return of the Jedi. But today's topic is a film that you didn't want to end. And uh, John and Bethany are going to tell us the movies that they didn't want to end. Who, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. The first movie that I didn't want to end is Superstar, directed by Bruce McCullough from 1999, starring Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a, an SNL spinoff that they turned into like a full movie. It stars Molly Shannon as Mary Catherine Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And it's like so stupid, but it always makes me laugh. And it's like you want to live in that world for like a little bit longer. And she's always like, Superstar. And you've you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just think it's really funny and everybody should see it if you want a good laugh. Yeah, the funny thing is, well, because Bethany showed me that movie and I wasn't expecting to like it going into it. But then as I was watching it, I was like, this is actually like really funny. No, it deserves to be a cult classic. And it makes me really sad that the rest of the world doesn't realize how brilliant it is because there's so many quotable lines. It's like, your birthmark looks like shit. Um... Uh, when, go drink what, a bottle of yourself. Yeah, go drink a bottle of yeah. yourself, Evian. And well, and the bitch from uh, Parent Trap plays Evian, Meredith uh, Blake. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's her name? Elaine Hendricks. I don't even know. I almost said Elaine Strich. No, Elaine Strich. <laughs> Elaine Hendricks plays the villain. And of course, yeah. Molly Shannon's so funny. She's such like a socially awkward. And uh, the, the mom from Mary Poppins plays the grandma in Superstar where she's like... Mary Catherine Gallagher, I will never let you dance again because your parents d- got stomped to death in Riverdance or whatever. Anyway. Oh, yeah, clogging accident. Yeah, clogging accident. But I just love Will Ferrell when he does the dance-off where they do, everybody dance now. And they do a dance-off and Will Ferrell's like, do the pepper mill. No, he's like, do the fax machine. And he does like the fax machine dance move. And it's just so endlessly quotable. And it's a true like cult classic film. Cool. Uh, what about you, Bethany? So the first movie that I didn't want to end, this is actually kind of ironic because going into it, I didn't think I was going to like it at all. And then I just was waiting and anticipating something to happen that just didn't happen. And that was Mamma Mia 2. Really? Here here we go again. Yeah. yeah, I was was anticipating Meryl Streep coming back. And even though she did, I really wasn't expecting the whole let's eliminate her for good thing. I just didn't want that movie to end. I was just so into it. Once it was going. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I remember after we saw it, I felt like I was a little disappointed after I saw the second one. I loved it. Because I think the first one, I mean, the first one's better. No, how do I put it this way? The first one. You can never beat the first one. No, the second, yeah, you can never beat the first one, but the second one was a better movie and better acting and a better script. And the, and the, and even the, like, the actual, like, camera, like the filming. But I like the songs better in the first one. And as a hardcore ABBA fan, I would have picked different songs to be in the second movie. Yeah, I would not I have agree. picked... I agree. Like, they shouldn't have reprised Waterloo and Dancing Well, Queen you always and... have to reprise the big ones, I think. No, they had other songs they could have used. I mean, I just wouldn't have picked some of those songs. But that's just me. I'm not the music person. I liked some of them. Although that's like a dream role. If somebody said, what would you want to do? I'd be like, Mamma Mia 3, I want to arrange all the music. Give me, give me Mamma Mia 3. Because I heard they're making a third one. I did. Yeah. But. Isn't it? How can I resist you? 
They should call it How Can I Resist I think You. I think they should call it How Can I Resist You. But the um, movie, what's good about that movie, why somebody would want to live in that movie, is because it's on a Greek, Greek island, right? Yeah. And, like, it's good. It's a fake but island called Calgary. That's what I like about those movies, at least, like, the first one is not, like, a great movie. It is a great movie. Fine, she'll disagree. But it's about escapism, and it's the, one of the best movie musicals. Like, well, it's grossed that, a lot of money in in the sense of a movie. There you, are some movie you musicals, think some movie musicals like, like no, but great. like Bye Bye Birdie, the movie. Oh, bad! I hate to say it, but the cabaret movie, like those movies, are not great. I'm sorry, they, they but Mamma Mia, in the sense of a movie, brilliant. Um, was that all you had to say for that one? Or? Yeah. Okay, John, what's what's your next movie? The second movie that I did not want to end, I would say would be the first Harry Potter. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I think out of all of the Harry Potter movies, I think that movie, maybe because it was the first and it introduced you to the whole aesthetic of the movies. Mm -hmm. And it just made Hogwarts seem like the most magical Magical. place on Earth. Like, how could you not want to eat in the dining hall? I remember seeing all the food in the dining hall and being like, look at all the food. (laughs) Like, I was so I was so enamored with all the food. And I had a big poster of the Sorcerer's Stone poster in my bedroom. At the time when the movie came mm-hmm. out. But that movie, of course, kickstarted the whole franchise. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. the books kickstarted the film franchise. But I feel like that movie is where you, it really makes you want to go to Hogwarts and it really makes you want to yeah. like live in that world a bit. And the last movie does not no, want to make you, you want to go to Hogwarts. Like, I want to be an adult and I want to get the fuck on with my life. That's like <laughs> the last movie. But that's what I think is so brilliant about those books and about that movie is the fact that it doesn't stay the same emotionally. Like you're, It allows you, the reader, to mature with the characters as they mature. Yeah. Because it gets boring if everything stays the same, every book. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You don't see a lot of growth in characters in movies. Like movie series is, I don't think. Well, except for this one. No, no. Well, yeah, yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars, you see some growth. But Harry Potter, you see a lot of growth because the Harry Potter you meet in book one is not nearly the same man. Same as the Hunger Games, I have to say. The Hunger Games is also good for that, too. No, you see character growth. You really see growth, like, big time. Yeah. But some authors don't like to give their characters growth. No, of course not. Because especially if the character's, like, a moneymaker, they're just going to churn out, like... I'm trying to think what's an example of a franchise where every movie is the same where the characters don't grow whatsoever mm. trying to think any superhero movies yeah like, like yeah, spider-man like yeah like i feel like peter um, parker's pretty peter much parker's is. been like 17 forever no. he yeah. has kind of like the same arc yeah he has movie. the same yeah. arc in every movie yeah that's where, exactly yeah. no that spider-man don't get me wrong i love the marvel movies me too. big fan of the mcu well, i like spider-man no but spider-man we all like spider-man yeah but the thing about those movies is, like, you know the type of morality Spider-Man. You're never going to see an evil Spider-Man. It's well, just, it's Spider-Man just, it's 3. basically. Yeah, you'll see Venom. It's basically just stuff. like, oh, new movie, different villain, different plot. Yeah. Same characters. That's what it is. Yeah, that, that criticism. Like, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, movies. Spider-Man 3. Different villain. He's going to, you know, it's going to be the same thing. But I want to see Peter Parker, like, do hard drugs and, like, go on a bender <laughs> and all. But that's just me. Okay. Uh, what was your next movie, Bethany? My next movie is called Dream Child. Um, it is about. Um, I almost mixed it up with a different what author. Kind of hippie movie is this? Dream Child. Dream I've never heard of it. Dream Child is not a hippie movie for one. Really? It's about the life of Lewis Carroll oh. and Alice Little and their relationship Ooh. together. Not like that. She was a child. Oh, never she was mind. seven, and he was like twenty something. <laughs> No, like they're like they were family friends, like their relationship. 
So Dream Child was made in 1985. Um, but yeah, it surrounds Alice Little's life. Um, it goes back and forth between the past when she was a child with, you know, you know, with her friend, um, uh, Mr. Dodgerson or AKA, um, Lewis Carroll. Um, and then it goes into, you know, it goes back and forth. Like it completely flips back and forth between the past and then the present where she is a, an elderly woman looking back on her life and being harassed by paparazzi and whatnot. And then it also goes into the actual story of Alice in Wonderland where you actually get to see like the characters and scenes and whatnot. It's really interesting. Um, it's a fantastic movie. It's really dark though. Like really, really dark. Um, yeah, it pretty much explores the whole, why did he write the book? And where did he get all the information from? And how did he write it? It's really, it's in her life because he wrote the book about her as Alice. And you get, you see how she was treated for the rest of her life as people were like, Alice, Alice, you're really the Alice. And she was tormented by like paparazzi forever. Oh, really? Pretty much. So, yeah. So it had a negative turn Asked to do her. commercials and this and that. As now, like did a, she get royalties as a result of him using her? I have no business? idea, actually. They never really talk about that. That's interesting. Probably. Me. Well, it's in the public domain now. Well, now the book is, how old's the book again? It was written in, I want to say, uh, don't quote me. I want to say it was written in like 18... 85. Oh, jeez. That's all. I'm going to look it up right now to see. But, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. It's a great film. I only re- watched that for the first time about maybe February, a couple months ago. 1865. Ooh, I was close. So even older. So 20 years older than Yes. You. Yes, I see. We just read it, actually. Um, when did we finish? Like two weeks ago? A week Something ago? Something like that, yeah. We read through The Looking Glass, too. Cool. Uh, what's your next film, John? Okay, and the theme is movies we did not want to end. Yes. Correct. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't going to say anything negative. Because I was thinking, I was, I don't know why my brain, it's been a long day. It's been a long fucking day. Okay. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, my criticism, how do I put it this way? The movie was too long. I do think the movie was too long. But the reason why I didn't want it to end was more based on the aesthetic of the overall movie rather than me wanting the movie to go on for like 500 years. That's the only Tarantino movie I don't like. See, but the thing about that movie, I just, that era of Los Angeles and that era of music, I don't know, it just felt like such a cool era he was depicting. Like such a great decade. Obviously, I don't want to live with the film. I know, but of course, he romanticizes it a little bit with the Mansons. Oh, that's I hate. I hate that whole thing. I don't think don't glorify it. It's a hit. It's history. Like I don't know. It just that bothered me. I didn't like that film. I don't think he was trying to glorify the Mansons. I think he was. Well, I think he was just just glorifying Los Angeles. I thought it was disrespectful a little bit. Some of it. I mean, regardless of your feelings about the specific film, I liked the aesthetic look of L.A. During mm-hmm. that time period. And I feel like that would be like, if I had a time machine, I would choose to go back there. To like 1967? Nine. No, 1969. Yeah. L.A. Now, yeah, that is kind of a ballsy move, though, for him to like write his own version of history. I mean, he did it three yeah. times. He did, he said he did it, it three he times. He did it in Glorious Bastards. Django Unchained, and now this one. Yeah. But with Inglorious Bastards, he, he kind of... That was kind of like a hell yeah move. That wasn't really like a. Ooh. Well, but they, Django, killed, they killed the fucking and, Hansons. And, and Django, I found, was a hell yeah move too. It's a. Yeah. But notice, whenever he rewrites history, he always has the marginalized people destroy the abusers. 
I thought it was disrespectful to Sharon Tate. That was so disrespectful. But I like the way he had her Using live, her. though. I like because it, it shows. But that's what, not how but it her shows life, what could have been. Though. But that's not how her life was. And did I you know. see the thing about like one of her family members? Was it like her niece or something or cousin? Somebody was like, "Yeah, that's not her life." And I thought it was. They thought it was disrespectful, like her family. No. I watched like a video on that. Yeah. I don't know. I just I thought it was a little disrespectful because it's very sad what happened to her. Like to use her as a freaking character, yeah, like it is she's odd. like she's it is some odd like when you rewrite somebody's life in right, the movie, right? That's why I think unauthorized biopics or biopics should not be allowed. Right, I agree. About anybody. I agree, but then it gets awkward when the person. Not to go on a tangent, it gets awkward when the person who's the biopic it is is involved. Like Elton John, when was, they're alive. No, but like yeah. Elton John was involved in Rocket Man, and I just know if I was making a movie about my life, I would never include any of the bad stuff. I would only include like the that good kind stuff. of reminds me of yeah. I Tonya actually because I loved I Tonya. Okay, but here's the bone I have to I pick love with that. that. Movie. This is the bone I have to pick. She's alive, right? Yeah. She didn't really have anything to do with the making of it, and a lot of it was false. In it, they actually like exaggerated. Well, of course, they're gonna dramatize some stuff. But yeah. she's alive. That's balls uh, to yeah, do I that. Was, I thought Margot Robbie. I mean, did people a make movies about and Sebastian it Stan. Was, it was good. But I enjoyed I don't know. it. It was entertaining, and we all know that she knew what they did. Like everybody knows, Tanya Harding knew that but they were some, gonna put some the hit of it, some, on Nancy Kerrigan. Some everybody. of it apparently was fa- incredibly. Of course, some of it was fabricated. Fake. But I, but the stuff about her mother being an abusive bitch, I believe that. Apparently, some of that was fake. Really? Yes. Well, the mother says I was never abusive, but apparently the... she never kicked. No, but even her, she herself said that she never like kicked her out at one point, or she never, um, like certain things I never happened. Allison Janney was great as the mother. Oh yeah, though. she's she, always she, great. She deserved that Oscar. She was great. Okay. Anyway, uh, do you have another film, Bethany? Yeah, I have a couple more. Um, this is kind of funny, but I have to say one of one movie that I only watched recently for the. Well, I shouldn't say recently. Within the past couple of years, I only saw it for the first time, and I loved it. Was my big fat Greek wedding? Oh my! Parents, I, I love that movie. Love that movie. That's it's like my actually extended funny. family. It's hilarious. I know it is, but funny. I didn't want it to end because it's just it's so entertaining that it's just it it doesn't you, you don't want to blink for a second like it's that it's that entertaining. I feel so bad for her in that movie. What a great film! Have you seen it? It's yeah, funny. I've seen it. I've seen it. You it's saw funny. it. I showed it to you. Yeah, we watched it together. It's, it's like, funny. It's like my extended family. Her parents it are scary. Me. It gives me like traumatic memories because I think about my mother's extended family. See, my family's not like that I at all because that. my family's not like stereotypically like of a, I'd say like, we don't really have a culture necessarily. So we're well, not like. Not culture, but they're just loud and they're in my, each other's business. My friend who is Greek always says that that is a typical Greek family. And you can well, see like they, Italian families being like that. Uh, but it's not that they're obnoxious. They're just very like. Family oriented. They're family oriented. They're yeah. family oriented. Well, some cultures are family oriented. I'm Irish. Aren't. We're alcohol oriented. Alcohol oriented. Oh, <laughs> you're not generalizing at all. No, I can say it. I'm almost. You know, I'm very Irish. I'm, I'm a pasty bastard, but I think I'm a little. I mean, anyway, I really liked that film. I thought it was funny. I thought even if you don't have, but my point was, even though I don't have a family that can relate to that, I still understood it. I was like, yeah, you've seen this. You, you, everybody knows. You find it universal. Yeah, yeah. you like you understand it. Oh, still, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love that film. Yeah. I know your dad likes it. I've oh, talked, my parents. I've like talked that to movie. your my dad about love it. That movie. I've talked to your dad about it. He was watching it once when we came in. I was yeah. like, I love this movie. The same movies are always on TV all the time. Anyway, time is of the essence. The second one was awful, though. Yeah, I heard the second one was bad. Okay, ready to get into it? Sure. Okay. 
Uh, so today we're talking about Return of the Jedi. So Return of the Jedi is an epic space opera film released on May 25th, 1983. It was directed by Richard Marquand. Uh, the story was written by George Lucas. The screenplay was written by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas. Uh, the score was done by John Williams. It stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, Frank Oz, and Ian McDermott. It takes place a year after the, the Empire Strikes Back, and Han Solo is still frozen in carbonite at the palace of the gangster Jabba the Hutt. Luke and the others try to sneak him out, but are caught in the process. After a battle, they finally escape with Han. Back at a rebel base, they discover that the Emperor, played by Ian McDermott, is building a second Death Star. The rebels must destroy the Death Star, and Luke must finally confront Darth Vader and fulfill his destiny of becoming a Jedi Knight. So um, Lucas financed this film like he did the last one. Uh, he also started looking for another director. Uh, his first choice was uh, Steven Spielberg, but because of the because of their separate feuds with the Directors Guild, Spiel, uh, Spielberg was banned from directing the film. So, uh, and I and I have to bring this up. Uh, one of his choices was David Lynch. Uh, he he was one of his choices to direct the film, but he turned it down. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another choice was David Cronenberg, but oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, but he wanted to make Videodrome and The Dead Zone instead. And then Lucas eventually uh, chose uh, Richard Markwind. Uh, yeah. I thought he did a fine job with the direction. I mean, I think... I mean, I like the direction in all three of the movies. I have no particular issues with the direction in general. Yeah. I mean, I think... Well, I mean, people have said this a lot, but I think that this is like the least oh, of I think the it's three the worst. Yeah, films. yeah. I do not that it's, it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just it's just not as good as the others. Yeah, I agree. I do. Really? What? I think this is my favorite. See, I th- I think that's interesting. Mhm. Yeah, well, yeah, cuz well, this was well, the first strokes for different folks. That's so Well, cuz this was the first one that you saw, right? This was the very first one that I saw ever. Yes. Now, what was it you liked about this one, though? It's just, it's just entertaining. This one just, for some reason, really stuck with me. All right. Maybe well, it's that's because a testament the... to the power of the movie, then. I guess. Um, and another thing that was really interesting. Well, actually, do you have any notes that you wanted to go over? First? No, not until we start like talking more in depth about it. Uh, in well. General. Okay, so Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, wanted the film to have a darker tone and one of his ideas was uh, having it end with Luke uh, walk off alone and exhausted like a hero in a spaghetti western Uh, but Lucas wanted it to have a happy ending uh, to encourage higher merchandise sales oh that's hysterical (laughs) yeah as if as if Star Wars would ever need to worry about higher um, higher merchandise sales I'm sure after the first one came out I mean merchandise was flying off the shelves if you were a child of the 70s it's embedded in your soul just like it's still embedded in the collective soul of humanity today but um I think Empire probably has the darkest tone out of all three. Yeah. And yeah. if anything, this has more of a redemptive tone, mostly to the ending. I, I think it's very hard to feel negativity after watching this entire film. Maybe at the beginning of the film, it gets negative because, you know, Jabba's 
in control. All the heroes are plunging to their death. The Sarlacc is there. Leia's chained up in her bikini. Things are not good for our heroes at the beginning of the movie. But of course, by the end of the movie, I do think that uh, Lucas got his happy ending. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, now, the more I thought about it, actually, I kind of feel like this one is kind of a mix of both like the lightness of the first one and the darkness of the second one, because there are moments in this film that are very dark, like the stuff with the emperor, the emperor, yeah. uh, which we'll get to talking oh, about soon. So uh, and like, uh, you know, like even Yoda's death scene uh, on Dagobah See, is kind of dark. Kind of funny. I mean, I don't find it dark. I, I find it the way things are supposed to be. Like after you've lived for 900 years, it's time to move on. You know, I don't know. I think it was very peaceful. His death scene. I don't. I don't feel sad about it. Um, I said Yoda's death was sad. Yoda's death was sad. I mean, it's <laughs> sad. Uh, of course, it's death. Most most. I remember seeing that too. That was one of the first things I remember seeing from this movie. How do you explain that to a child? Like, I was like six when well, I saw. I'd imagine that. most of it goes over most kids' he- heads, but I would worry being a parent if my kids next to me and sees Yoda die. How would I explain that? I was watching it with my aunt. Well, she was watching it. I was sleep. I used to sleep in my. Well, it. Sometimes I would sleep in my aunt's bed with her when I was a kid. And she was, you know, a teenager. So, like, aunt and niece would be like, you know, we'd watch a movie or whatever. And one day, she was just watching it, and I was, like, falling asleep, and I was just kind of watching it while I was, like, laying there. And I remember seeing Yoda's death and being like, why is this puppet, like, dying? <laughs> like, I didn't understand it. No, no, but I like the Jedi philosophy behind death, that you, you don't really die. You just become a part of the Force. And it's very, like, Buddhist to me. Like, it's very, like, the whole reincarnation thing. And spiritual? You, yeah, spiritual, rather. And you become, like, Your a energy. Force ghost. It's more about energy. Yeah, no, but, like, the Yoda scene is really sad. I, you I find always it sad? Yeah, I love Yoda. I know See, you I don't, don't like Yoda. I don't, you don't I, like I tolerate Yoda? Yoda. I admire, I like Yoda better in the prequels than I like in I the I like sequels. in the other movie where he, Luke carries him on his back. Oh, an empire. <laughs> yeah, it's I love so, that too. why? It's just cute. It is yeah. cute! No, but it is sad too, like when you see him go. I don't what know. Do you expect him to live another 900 years? When it's your time, it's your time. Or what was your first note or whatever? My first note was, I love the aesthetic of Jabba's palace. I love how yeah. it's just this huge, massive, like place and i love how like menacing everybody is i absolutely hate george lucas's new edit that he did with that musical number i think oh, oh, i fucking hate it's that. such trash I and it's horrible that. i said horrible i said the nightclub song sequence oh it's terrible it's so dumb but so memorable the se- memorable, memorable because, because of how bad, bad it is it's horrible right george, it, but it that like, was my point i said it was so memorable no, we, we agree that with is you. one of the reasons why i like the film so much yeah but to me i find it so funny but as somebody who saw the original cut on vhs it's literally george lucas taking out his dick and pissing all over the mona lisa you don't do that. Not saying this film is comparable to that, but it's like I just felt like the CGI musical number was not needed, and I always feel bad for Ula. I think it's funny. I always feel bad for Ula, the green twilight, as like she falls yeah. in the pit. I always, my heart always aches for her. I always, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I remember though. It's like a Mandela effect. I think I remember seeing some sort of like monster's eyes and teeth, and then like it cutting. Yeah, what I've like, always... I remember seeing that, like basically seeing her get eaten. What I've always appreciated about Star Wars um, in relation to the heroes versus the villains, I feel like the villains are very well thought out aesthetically, how they look, how they feel, how they talk. Like, I feel like Jabba the Hutt, even though he's only in this one movie, 
Um, and of course, A New Hope, he gets added on later on in the Lucas cut. Mm-hmm. But this is the first big and only appearance of Jabba the Hutt. And I feel like he's such a fully realized character. Like, he's yeah. such a gross bastard. He's a gross, fat, sluggy little yeah. bastard. Yeah, he's a great character. He's though. great, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. But and the I, de- the design that they made of like his design is really great. But it shows how iconic Jabba the Hutt is that I use that to refer to like gross people. other people. Uh, other people, like I'll call other people in my life. I'll be like, oh, he's such a Jabba. <laughs> like, yeah. no, but you use that as like a signifier for uh, it. Just shows you're the, power. the only person that I know that uses that. I'm just like you oh, know. Fine. Well, I use it. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, she I've lo- never heard anyone else. Oh, use she it. looks like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> you use that a lot, too. Well, you know, I use it, but he, he, but it shows the power. I guess as a at a young age, the character made such an imprint on me. This crime lord, this gross, fat, slug boss dude. Well, what's your opinion of Jabba the Hutt? I mean, like I just said before, like he's he's just a great character. His design is really good, and like it's impressive too, because like because I was watching the documentary again, and I saw the parts where they were showing uh like when they were trying to work the java puppet and it's just yeah it's really cool and you know who freaked me the hell out bib fortuna creeped me oh the yeah hell. he scared me oh too. i he don't scared like me him. as a child that guy i'm yeah, yeah i was always scared of him his eyes and his teeth oh my gosh yeah he really freaked me out as he's a child. scary what's his name bib fortuna no thanks i don't like yeah, it not a fan. <laughs> i don't like not him. a fan of him. He's really scary. I'm, I'm a fan of how creepy he is. He's no, such a creep. He's no such thanks. a creepy little I, I guy. He kind of reminds me of Riff Raff a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah, 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 a little Riff Raff. Like I can see the, that. Like the, I don't know, like Jabba's bitch. Jabba's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Jabba has like tons of bitches. Speaking of, all the Twilights are can I like just Jabba's say, bitches. Can I say something about Jabba's being Jabba's bitch? I wrote, that little rat thing that Jabba carries around <laughs> is so annoying. <laughs> It reminds me of the rat from Muppets. Rizzo the rat. Yeah, kind of, well, I mean, they are They're anno- Muppets. Annoying. Yeah, they are Muppets. Annoying. Annoying. So annoying. That little thing that's in his tail. It's like, hey, <laughs> Now, obviously. Yeah, that <laughs> thing's the worst. You just it's want, so like, annoying. Han to take his you gun want, and just shoot yeah, it. But Star Wars is obviously marketed as a movie that the whole family can enjoy. But we all know that the Twi'leks are the whores of the galaxy. We all know that they're the prostitutes. And you just feel so bad for Ula as she falls to her death. Or at least I always feel bad. I never really care that much. (laughs) I care. You see the look of I mean, yeah, I feel bad, but it's like, I don't lose sleep over it like you are. (laughs) You've been talking about it. John just like wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, (laughs) He said when we were watching the movie, he's like, no, no. No, because you just know she's going to fall through the floor and it's terrible. Um, So how are they building the second Death Star in space? You would think, like, the, the newspaper of the galaxy would I mean, be I like know that this is a movie Empire with space film. wizards, but, like, You have how? to suspend your disbelief a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why the Emperor would be like, you know, the first one worked so well, we're going to build we'll, the second one. And we'll make it so that it has the exact same, uh... Like, deficiency yeah, as the first one. As the first one. That's Lucas logic right there. You know George Lucas is like, somebody said, all right, so early plot idea, George. What are we doing for the third movie? And George is like, you know, we're going to have another Death Star, and... They're going to go and blow it up the same exact or way. Or the Emperor's just that arrogant that he just thinks I believe that, just... too. I like that explanation yeah. a little better. Yeah. In general. No, at the beginning, I like how the movie starts out with R2 and C-3PO. Because it's similar to how the first movie starts out a little bit. So I felt like that was kind of a callback to A New Hope. 
Yeah. yeah where they're like walking in the like desert kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Luke is just a badass in this. Well, by now he's confident in his I can't Jedi stand him. I must be the really? only person. I'm a Solo fan. Sorry. God. But this, like, this, like, this isn't... I root for Han Solo. This isn't, like, the same kid who wanted to go to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. Like, he force chokes, he kills the bad guys left and right, and He's shit. He's come into like, his own as, like, a yeah. fully-fledged human. He's, like, gone through uh, Jedi puberty at this point. <laughs> yeah. And everything. Yeah, I, said, I said when Luke is fighting the monster, when he gently shoves the sh- stick into its throat... That's the most lame part of the movie. He's just like, let me gently stick this stick slowly into this thing's mouth. Instead of, like, badass fighting it. I mean, how can he, like, fight this gigantic... I don't know. They could have come up with something to make it more, like, badass. I mean, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, but he just, he goes like this. He He shoves it so gently. It's so gentle. You wanted him just to jam it down. Oh, God, something. And you just see the stick come through the thing's throat. These are family movies. These are, like, marketed for children. Yeah, right. No, they should... Then they should have, you know, reviewed half of the things... You see that big monster eating all those people, yeah. like they're throwing I the bodies. I think the Sarlacc is more menacing than the. Oh first my god, monster. the Sarlacc pit! That would be an awful death. Yeah, the Sarlacc. That yeah. would be an awful death. Imagine just like, not even just being killed and then thrown in there. Just imagine that being your impending death. Ugh, just Sarlacc. seeing that friggin' mouth. I have like a laundry list of people I wish I could throw into. Oh the my Sarlacc gosh! <laughs> no. Um, I think the Sarlacc pit is actually one of the most memorable scenes. A lot of people, yeah. like, but a lot of people just in general, when they review this film or when they talk about this film, they like to bash the opening part of the movie in Jabba's palace and outside Jabba's palace when they're on the barge and they're fighting. But to me, that's actually one of my most memorable parts of the yeah, movie. Yeah, it is. No, I think it's a great no, part I, of the I movie. I really do love that I really scene. do love it. I love the Jabba's palace scene. I love when Leia disguises herself as the bounty hunter. Oh, yeah. And she frees Han Solo and he's blind. And can't see oh anything. yeah, I wrote about that too. Um, I said, Le- how long was he in there? A year? Yeah, it's yeah, been, yeah, it's been about a year. Like that. Oh my god! I think Lando is a duplicitous someone who lo- someone who loves you. Oh, that's iconic. <laughs> no, it, it is iconic yeah. dialogue. Is the dialogue clunky? Yes. Is the dialogue yeah. iconic? Yes. Yes. I mean, by this all the point, dialogues, iconic. I mean, it's all iconic. Some of it. Someone, yeah. Someone who loves you. No, but like the the fact that like the the Sarlacc pit is like actually there. Like in real life, is just is just really impressive. What do you mean? Like they actually built that. Like they built the Sarlacc. They did. Yeah, oh, I mean, obviously wow. not the part with the not like in the later editions where I you see like the tentacles and stuff like that. that. They added that later, but like the teeth and the ground and stuff it's like that shit was real. Right? Yeah, I, just was, really that, cool. was that not a set? No, it was a set, but they, but they built, built the, the yeah yeah yeah. What do we think of Leia's gold bikini? Is it really needed for the story, or is it just sexist fan service? I think it's iconic at this point. How do I put it this way? The way gender roles and women were viewed in 1983 compared to now are different. Today, I think there would be a lot more outrage over it. But I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Carrie Fisher, in retrospect, has said that she's fine with it. I mean, had said, unfortunately, that she's fine with it. I think by now it's such an iconic costume and it's such an iconic Star Wars touchstone that to bash it now feels like sacrilegious. I don't know. At the same time, though, I think it's super unnecessary. But in a way, it shows the type of person Jabba is from a characterization standpoint. Just shows, holding women hostage. Just, should, well, Jabba, Jabba holds, alone all, Jabba holds all the Twi'leks hostage and the Twi'leks aren't wearing, you know, 
uh, nun outfits. They're wearing revealing outfits. So, you know, of course, you know, Carrie Fisher looking the way that she did gave George and co a license to be like, oh, we're going to make Carrie wear this. But like years later, there were like parents that were complaining about that doll. There was well, a don't what? Buy, don't buy it for your fucking kid. Okay, look, just, just buy let me let me finish. Let me finish. Slave Leia doll. They yeah. sold that as a doll. Of oh, course, as an action figure. I could see as like a collector's item, but yeah, like it's an action figure. even so, like at Toys R Us. What's the big deal? At Toys R Us, Toys R Us toys, kids. That is for geared for children. They should have sold that on like an adult I don't know. website. No, like I don't know. Nowadays, it'd be like Amazon, think, but like I don't think again, maybe. Spencer's but or something. But again, or all I'm topic. saying, not to start a whole big Megilla over it, I think it speaks to the prudishness of the way some people are in this country that a woman in a revealing bikini is seen as this whole moral calamity. It's not that. It's really not that. No, big it is. Deal. It is. I'm a woman, and I can honestly say that you're offended by that outfit wholeheartedly. No, offended. no, but it shows. It's the same thing about superhero women. It's it's completely. It, it's the context of why the whole reason why is to appeal to men. That's well, yeah, the, it's a male-dominated market. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. which is why but Wonder, people But people have like problem. Wonder Woman because she kicks ass. People like Wonder Woman. People like Supergirl because she kicks ass. But what's the of, first thing that you hear when like people say too. cat... When people talk about Catwoman, what's the first thing? Well, cat, Catwoman, was, Catwoman was not created to kick ass. Catwoman was created to leer at, obviously. See, and that's the problem. But even so, even when you're playing fighter video games or whatever... The men always have this these awesome outfits on with gear, and then the women are always wearing like I don't know a friggin' thong. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Nothing. I mean, no, you it have sucks. a point. It sucks being you a woman. It really, really sucks. Like seeing but shit I think, like that. Yeah, but I think that things are changing nowadays. I think people care more about that stuff nowadays. They should. And should un- I, I mean, I I know it's hard for you to understand, but as a woman, it's actually uncomfortable to see. Do men not? Men don't feel that, right? No, at why, all. I know. Of course no, I not. mean towards like, is there anything that men would wear that make you feel uncomfortable? I guess if I was in my underwear, maybe. No, but like, it it makes me feel uncomfortable as a woman. Like, I don't know. It it just it makes me feel very uncomfortable. That's because growing up as a woman, your body your body's just sexualized from the time you're like twelve. Like it's awful. Now, you do you view it as a specific issue in the movie? Does it tamper your enjoyment of the film? This. It's, no, of but her it's in the bikini. Yes and no. It's just kind of like, oh, here it's a reminder. It's like a reminder. It's just kind of like. Well, you do realize the film was done in nineteen eighty three, not twenty twenty one. Obviously, if it was done in twenty twenty one, there would be like a million Buzzfeed articles about the the controversial bikini. I'm, I'm just answering the question that you just asked me. <laughs> I also find that the guy crying over the monsters is really funny. Oh, that is funny. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah. There's a crazy cast of characters in Jabba's palace, and I would love to like. I feel like a good spinoff could be made between maybe between A New Hope and Empire that just focuses on Jabba and all the criminals of the galaxy to show all these like side characters. Because the yeah, that's the, the terrible thing about Star Wars is there are so many good side characters who never really get fleshed out. You know, like Palpatine later on has those two randos with him, and you never hear from them again, and all that. Uh, so yeah, it would be cool to flesh out maybe some of the criminals in the galaxy a little bit. They should just, they should just have a sitcom called Java's Palace. Java's It'll Palace. just be like focused on Java and his minions and stuff. Uh, no, that would be entertaining. Really maybe funny. like an animated show would be good. Yeah, or laugh track and everything. Oh god, <laughs> like Wandavision. No. Yeah. 
This movie also has, like, a lot of, like, more, like, great lines. And one of my favorite lines in it is when, uh, it's the part where, like, they're getting ready to be eaten by the Sarlacc pit. And Han's just like, I think I'm starting to see a little bit better now. And Luke's like, there's nothing much to see. I used to live here, you know. And then Han says, you're going to die here, you know. Convenient. Oh, God. <laughs> Although, I do think the one, th- I mean, I I really do love that scene of, um... Like, when that fight happens next to the Sarlacc pit. But one of the things that I don't like about it is how Boba Fett dies. Well, it's so he, yeah, sudden. Does he die? Well, he has to. I mean... That's the thing. I know this You movie, are led in this movie to believe that he dies. But as a fact, just to clear it up... It's in the middle, Boba Fett lives. right? Boba Fett but does But how? They we don't saw explain it. how. We saw it. But as somebody who has watched The Mandalorian, Boba Fett does somehow survive the Sarlacc pit. And he is getting his own show on Disney Plus this fall. I, but, uh, canon stuff, man. I don't know. Because, truly, you saw him die. Yeah, it looked like I'm he was saying. dead. I mean, maybe yeah. he climbed there's no, there's, there's no way to survive that. I don't understand that. I don't know. Because he's just, like, he's such a badass character in the previous film. Why and then to have him, off? like, go out like yeah, a bitch like that. It's just, yeah, like, it's kind of shitty i agree with you and they make it very like comical and i don't know it could have i don't know it, that could have been better well, i wouldn't have killed him if i was directing the movie i would have kept him alive yeah That's what i would have done yeah okay so now we're gonna get to what we what we've been wanting to talk about ian mcdermott oh he's so is amazing in this he's so fucking amazing i love him so much yeah he's an amazing actor i hope he's a good human maybe he's an amazing human maybe he's a shit human we don't know but he is such a gifted actor for one real pivotal role, you know, in his career. Because I think he's probably like, he's, you know, those English actors where they just do a lot of stage work and they don't do a lot yeah. of like, I don't know how many movie movies he's been in, but he really brought it. I mean, he brings, he's so good. I yeah. Can't he's probably that. my favorite part of this movie, oh, I love actually. Him so much. But it's, he's just great because it's just great to have like an over the top, campy villain, you know? Because you, you find him campy, that's interesting. Yeah, but he's it's but good maybe campy. as a child I didn't find him campy. Maybe as, a, as an adult I appreciate his performance a little more because you're able to see the nuances in it. But as a child, I thought he was genuinely terrifying. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. even when I was a kid, I was really yeah, scared. I was like, of him. I'm not gonna fuck with this guy. Yeah, I mean that's the thing too is because like because this is the first time we see him, and I think it's actually the scariest he is in like any of the movies. Like he's scarier I think in this than he is even in Revenge of the Sith. Um, and I actually read something really interesting where apparently he was only supposed to be the physical performance of the emperor and a producer, uh, told him that if he was able to get his voice close enough to Clive Revels, who I, uh, I think was like the guy who did it in the Empire. Empire Strikes Back, that, uh, Lucas would let him use his voice in the movie and McDermott... Uh, thought he could develop a stronger voice for the emperor and so he based his voice on uh the japanese method of using your stomach to project yourself and lucas was so impressed that they ended up using the voice and oh well of course yeah, and that's so. history i love those little behind the scenes tidbits but i think i can't imagine another actor in the role i think he is the emperor and he embodies the character so well and, like, it's funny, as the viewer, you're led to believe Darth Vader is really the one pulling the strings, at least in, uh, in, the, first in the first two. But then by the third, even Darth Vader is somebody's bitch. 
And like, you know, but it's true. You know, everybody has a master at the end of the day. Nobody's really the boss. Yeah. There. My dad says that. He always says everybody has a bully. It's true. Yeah, no, but everybody has a bully. And Darth Vader's bully was the emperor. Oh, yeah. Another thing that I found interesting, too, was that, um, so going back to Yoda's death scene, uh, he originally wasn't, because Yoda originally wasn't supposed to be in it at all. Uh, but his scene was added so that he could confirm that Vader was Luke's father. And Lucas had made the decision after uh, talking to a child psychologist who said that if it wasn't stated, young moviegoers would dismiss Vader's claim of uh, being Luke's father as a lie. That's interesting. So, yeah, that's interesting. That, uh, yeah, but like, I mean, I guess you need all the confirmation you can get on stuff like that. I guess they don't have DNA tests in the galaxy, clearly. But... I find it interesting that Lucas was so concerned about that specific point that he, like, consulted a child yeah. psychologist. It seems a little extra, George. No. But it is good that you have that extra. I think Obi-Wan could have accomplished that easily. They could have just shown Alec Guinness, and Alec Guinness could have been like, it's true, Luke. He is your father, and I'm a lying asshole. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, there's a really... Um, Robot Chicken, because you know how, like, they say... When he's like, so what I told you was true from a certain point of yeah, view. Yeah, from a certain point of view. Robot Chicken actually does, like, a, a skit based on that scene. And, like, they just, like, him and Yoda just start, like, dancing. They have, like, the, like, they make a song out of it. Oh, and they start dancing with, like, these canes and that the hats. That always makes me feel bad for Luke. I always feel very bad for him in the moment. Because he was lied to. And I don't, I don't, I know they were just lying trying to protect him. And oftentimes parents do that to their kids. Parents lie to their kids in order to protect them and i thought it was very similar to that but i think as an adult i would have liked more transparency if i was luke about who my father is and also i always feel bad for leia nobody ever confirmed to leia that her dad's darth vader you know well luke did well i mean luke did but the point is the point of the matter is that's pretty heavy stuff like don't you think yeah but that uh but anyway but that skit ends with because luke he he turns to them and he goes um, could you just tell me if Leia's my sister, though? Because we kind of made out. And they were like, ooh, yeah, she's totally your sister. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they knew she was going to be his sister from the beginning, if they would have No, they her. didn't. Yeah. They no, because they, they wrote that in for this movie. Because apparently they wanted to do, I think they wanted to do a movie where Luke was going to go off and find his long-lost sister. But then they kind of just wanted to wrap everything up and they just made Leia his sister. Uh, yeah. Also, um... I uh, remember this time around when we were watching it and the 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 chase scene in the forest. Yeah, I was really impressed by the special effects during that scene, at least for the time period. For 1983, that looked pretty legit. Yeah. You know, like it didn't look cheesy. It didn't look bad CGI. Meanwhile, in Phantom Menace, you, of course, noticed the really dated CGI and it would have been nice if they used more practical effects like they used in that scene. Yeah, I mean, the... But yeah, like the thing that that I said to you when we watched it was that it doesn't even look like they're using a green screen effect. It, it looks, looks so, real. like it blends very nicely. Yeah. I love the design of those troopers, by the way, on Endor. Yeah, those are cool. Those are so yeah. cool, the scout troopers. I love those uh, outfits. Yeah. And it was interesting too, because when I was watching the documentary, they show that um, basically like with the stuff that they, you know, like in the background that they had filmed beforehand, they were just doing it like slowly they just like sped it up uh in the editing room to make it look like it was going uh faster uh do you remember when we were talking about how we we felt that well because actually well 
uh, Chris kind of brought it up how like Han seems to like forgive Lando really quickly. I and think this. they all forgive Lando. Yeah, and that's they do one thing, really, at yeah. least as an adult. I don't forgive and forget. I don't know about you, but I know if somebody was that duplicitous with me and sold me out to the Empire, I don't think I would forgive so easily. And they all treat Lando like you're one of the team now. You know, like they're so nice to him. That could even have been like a like a like a subplot of like them like having to forgive each other or that something would good, that would have yeah. been because i do feel because even like if I, I feel like han's just kind of like there in this but one so to have movie that's the thing yeah i don't know well go ahead like i always think in a way i always think of each character gets their own movie like the first movie feels very carrie for some reason i don't know why i always think of her the second movie feels very harrison and the third movie feels very mark in terms of, like, which character I think about. Like, I always think about Han Solo and the Carbonite whenever I think of Empire. And then I always think about Luke and his final battle in the last one. And then in the first one, I always think of the princess. It's like maybe I just associate the, those specific movies with those characters, I guess. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but the fucking Ewoks. See, you don't like them. I like them. Well, yeah, what do you think of the Ewoks? I wrote that they're cute. So you like them, you think they're cute? Mm-hmm. I had an Ewok stuffed animal as a child. I don't know what happened to it, though. Yeah. They're cute. No, they are cute. I don't know. Like, I don't know. A lot of people who don't like fun hate the Ewoks. I mean, it's... They're, Why do you hate the them? Ewoks? Are a lot of Star Wars fans don't like the Ewoks? No, a lot of Star Wars fans don't like the Ewoks, but I would love to know why they don't like the Ewoks. Because like, I don't know. Like, because after the first one where it was so dark and like a dull, and now in this one we get like these like, like I don't know, these like furry little cute little animals care bears, making these it little like build a bear workshop yeah. trinkets, just making it like unneededly cutesy. Oh, I see you're you're looking at a picture of um, an Ewok. No. no. What's his name? Max Rebo. Max Rebo. Oh, you found the blue man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they like the blue man. He's so cute. He looks like an elephant, he looks but he like plays a blue Dumbo. But he plays an instrument. He's in a band. That's uh, so cute. I hope those uh Cantina band people got compensated well. Hopefully they had a good union. I mean, they all blow up, don't they? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that mean. Or maybe I don't know, maybe not all he's, of them went in. The band is called the Max Rebo band. He so is he's the band leader, yeah. Yes. He's so cute. Maybe we'll get a stuffed animal for you. It says, um, he kept an ear on his bandmates playing and an eye on the sleazy clients who hired his ensemble for their entertainment. Oh, that's great. I think but that just goes to show, back to my previous point about I don't know all, why the, I like him so all much. the side characters in the movies. Like, think about a character like that. He's a very niche character, but you could build a whole TV show about the Cantina band and their exploits, all the drugs, all the hookers. Why don't they? Why <laughs> no. haven't they made a Disney Plus spinoff? A, spin, a, a show about the band or a the movie? The Cantina band. They're I adorable. I would love to see that. Are you kidding? Yeah, me too. Da, da, da. I think he's so da, cute. Da, 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 da. Anyway, it's stuck in my head the Cantina song. Um. What is your next big point you want to read? Oh, well, another um, another line that I really love is when the Emperor, and I, I quote this all the time with you, where I'm like, uh, where he says, um, Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your <laughs> friends arrive. <laughs> no, his line delivery is so perfect, and it's just a testament to how brilliant he is as an actor and how brilliant the character is. That he's just mocking Luke. He's like, yeah, the deflector shield is up, bitch. And <laughs> yes. No, he's so campy. And yeah. 
He comes, there's a plush of him, and he comes with the little instrument. You're still on Max Repo? Yeah, he's cute. <laughs> he is cute. I'll give you, but, I'll give credit where credit's due. But where, what, what instrument is that? Uh, it looks like marimba. Marimba? Or, yeah, That's looks exactly like a space what I was marimba thinking. Or something. They're interesting. Yeah. I always find it interesting in the score how all the cantina band songs are way different musically than all of the other songs, which yep. are very orchestral. But John Williams, at least instrumentation-wise, he has, like, vibes, he has horns. Like, it's very different musically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, it's, uh, it's like space uh, jazz. Or as somebody, I read somewhere that uh, that genre is called jizz. <laughs> I read somewhere really? that the genre, oh yeah, it's called jizz. Wait, jizz, Star Wars. I'm That's gross. Yes, Jizz, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. That's the official Star Wars Wikipedia. Jizz was a genre of music. Jizz whalers were. Musicians. Is it J I Z or J I Z? J I Z Z. Oh my god. Jizz. Jizz was first mentioned in canon in the Star Wars Return of the Jedi Junior novelization. So it's officially canon that the music that they play is called Jizz. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Um, it's a trap. See, every, oh. everybody likes that line, but like, I don't know. Maybe it just went over my head as a child. I didn't realize how iconic that line was until later on when everybody else started mentioning it. Yeah. He's scary looking. Yeah, I've never been a huge Admiral Akbar person. <laughs> That sounds like that would be one of your students' names. Oh, God. Like, it sounds like a, a, a name. Like, Admiral Akbar, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, um, it was originally scripted as It's a Trick, oh. and the line was changed in post-production after a negative test screening. Oh, like It's yeah. a Trip. No, Trick. Oh, Trick. Yeah. Test screening. Yeah, I do find the idea of somebody watching a test screening of this movie interesting. Because like, cause a lot of studios nowadays, because they're so scared of getting a flop, will, will test screen their movies. And stuff, mm -hmm. and test screening can change a lot of um, stuff in post production. Yeah, I guess we wouldn't have gotten that. I like it's a trap meme much better then. than yeah, it's a trick. yeah. I also love like how um, Darth Vader just says like, "Now his failure is complete." Like everything is complete with him in this movie. I, yeah, he says it twice. I think everything's. Oh no! But even the Emperor says it at one point. He's like, uh, "What does he say?" He's like. Your something is complete. I don't know. Your blank is complete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything's always complete. Everything's yeah. always finished. Everything's always finished. Nothing is left incomplete. Yeah. At all. That's what I think is brilliant about the dialogue, though. Like, it is universal. Like, like I don't think the movie, like... It's not brilliant, the dialogue. But in a way, in its clunkiness, I love how universal it is. That it's dialogue a 90-year-old man can understand and dialogue a 7-year-old boy can understand. Like, I like the fact that yeah. it's, you know, universal. And sometimes there's dialogue that neither under yeah, <laughs> understand. Yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> Coming later on. Well, even in these movies, too. Like what? Like, I had no idea what a nerf herder was. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, well, like, what do you think about, like, would you have preferred, like, a dark ending over a happy ending? No, I like the idea of a happy ending. I would have, 
again, my problem with this film is pacing a little bit. I feel like we spent too much time with the Ewoks a little bit. It would have been nice if the Ewoks were in for, like, one minute as opposed to, like, a big section of the movie where the Ewoks yeah. take Luke, Han, Chewie, and etc. hostage, pretty much. Um, but the dark tone, I feel like the dark tone was achieved because you see Luke almost, quote-unquote, join the dark side when he gets really angry and he cuts off Vader's arm. So I do think that this film, in addition to Empire, um, Empire Strikes Back, did achieve that darker tone. I mean, what kind of dark tone do people want? Do they want everyone to die? Do they want Endor to get blown up? Well, they wanted, um, I think Lawrence Kasdan and Harrison Ford wanted Han to die in the third act of the film. Oh. I mean... It's interesting. I mean... I don't know. I mean, whether whether or not that, that was all's needed... All's well that ends well. Yeah. Well, that's all we'll say about that. I mean... I don't think the film would have been as successful if Han Solo died because I think people would have just remembered, oh no, Han's gonna die because he's such a fan favorite character. Yeah, but I think it would have let it would have left uh, downer feel. It would have felt like a downer. Yeah, I don't know. I I like that it has a happy ending. Oh, I like the happy ending. I do. I mean, I know maybe some people might not like it, but I don't know. I just I feel like I don't know, like for this kind of story. It just it works. Can you, you know what if I mean? It ended with a bad ending. I I can't even contemplate the trilogy, the original trilogy, ending with such a negative ending. I don't know. I mean, negative endings are for art house movies, not Star Wars. Yeah. No. I just like I like that. Like you know, like you see Luke become a Jedi Knight. You see him. You know, hit like you see uh, his. Uh, you see his father and Obi Wan and Yoda kind of smile at him. Uh, and like him just kind of like him like hug Han at the end and stuff and everybody's like happy and stuff. I don't know. I like it. It's I thought it was a good way to. End no, it. it makes you feel good. People want to feel good after they leave a movie. People don't want to feel like, oh, what the fuck was that? Like after we saw Mother. Remember that movie? Yeah. Like that was an example of a movie with a very ambiguous bad ending where like people want to feel good. And I feel like if it, the movie ended on such a dark note. You're not gonna feel good after. Sometimes you're it. not supposed to feel good after. But sometimes for Star Wars, I think supposed, you're supposed to feel good. Sometimes you're supposed to think. That's true. I mean, um, I think everything is well resolved in this film. Everything comes full circle at the end. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they really left no stone unturned. In terms of any, like, plot holes or anything. Like, you find out Leia's Luke's sister. Um, it clears up what Darth Vader looks like under the mask. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I felt like the film and the writers did a good job tying up any questions that the viewer might have had watching uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it was just a good place to end it, I guess. Yes, until six movies more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, six movies more and a few TV shows in the pipeline. Cool. So uh, this has been Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-hosts were John and Bethany. Bye-bye. Bye. Cool. Uh, so that does it for Star Wars Month. Uh, see you next time.